is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Sunandita Santanam, and we want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Tonight, we are so excited to bring you a voting panel with Ole NM, or the organizers in the Land of Enchantment, and the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative, or NMBDC. The organizers in the Land of Enchantment, or OLE, are a nonprofit organization of different working families. Their goals include strengthening communities through campaigns and voting engagement, while also acknowledging the impact of working families in New Mexican communities. The New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative provides resources and information regarding voter outreach, focusing specifically on reaching BIPOC voters in New Mexico. Layla Salim, a community member from Olay, and Mason Graham, the policy analyst and the project lead for NMBDC, discuss the importance of voting, myths and disinformation about voting, and how and when to vote. This educational panel was moderated by Generation Justice's Leader for Change fellow, Emilio Bovale. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of GJ on Civic Engagement. This is Emilio Bovale with Generation Justice, and I'm so happy to be speaking with Leila Salim, member of Olay, New Mexico. Leila grew up in the South Valley. She studied design at University of Pennsylvania and works as a designer and communications professional for nonprofits while also volunteering at local racial, social, economic justice campaigns and organizing community events around sharing the economy. Layla has worked on expanding voting rights to 16-year-olds and people on probation and parole, funding for early childhood education, creating state public banks, um, pilot programs for guaranteed basic income. Today, I'm also joined by Mason Graham, who is the policy analysis and project lead for New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative where he works to provide informational resources, facilities, voter outreach efforts, and creates programs and events for BIPOC voters in New Mexico. Leila Salim and Mason Graham, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you, Emilio. Thanks for having us. Please tell us more about yourselves. Leila, you want to go first? Um, yeah, well, you kind of summed it up there. <laughs> um, yeah, really excited to be here. Yeah, really recently working on the 16-vote campaign I've really enjoyed being around youth activists, especially, um, like especially in um, like climate justice work. I think when I was uh, a teenager, that was like a big interest of mine. And so like now that I'm older, I love seeing the next generation take on that mental. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, Mason, what about you? Is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, Emilio, I was so impressed to hear that you're 16. When I was 16, <laughs> um, you know, when I was 16, I saw President Obama get inaugurated for the first time. Um, I'm from Chicago originally. Yeah. Lived in New Mexico since I was about nine years old. That was a big deal for me, uh, seeing him um, up there, first African-American president. And so since then, Voting rights for African Americans um, has been something that's really close to me, um, especially given 
you know, the historical injustice of Brown voting for African-Americans and for people of color in general. Uh, so that's why it's extremely important that for this election that we get up and we speak out and we vote for the things that we believe in. So I'm so happy to be here for this interview with you all today. Yeah, no, thank you for coming. I think it is very, very important. I think it's very important to get the word out. Um, so Layla, OLAM through the 501c4 has been involved with electoral work for some time now. Could you tell us more about OLAM and the work that you are currently doing to get out the vote in this important election? Yeah, of course. Um, so Olay in Mexico, we have um, a lot of different um, work that we do. We have different focus areas. So we have like immigrant rights, workers' rights, um, as well as early childhood education and democracy reform. Mm-hmm. And so a big, um, a huge issue for us this year, which uh, something we've been working towards for so many years now is the early childhood education um, and that's finally on the ballot as a constitutional amendment one and the campaign is called Yes Kids. And so um, we also, you know, we're supporting uh, different candidates from our C4. We have, you know, some candidates due to the redistricting process. You know, some candidates, Democrats in the House are probably like in danger of losing their seats. Yeah. And so we're working on um, supporting them. And and then also we have like a really exciting independent candidate running um, in District 19 that, um, that we're supporting. And so, so yeah, we have a lot going on. My focus, like as a member at OA, I've been on the inclusive democracy team. So that's on the you know, democracy reform side of things. Um, and that's where the 16 vote campaigns from uh, worked on democracy dollars, which was something at the city of Albuquerque, um, trying to do like public finance vouchers. And yeah, what else? <laughs> There's so many different campaigns. Um, yeah, I could talk about so many things. Um, same day voter registration, that's another yeah. big one we could talk about, which really, yeah, like when we talk about getting out the vote, like it used to be like, you got to register like 28 days before the election. Yeah. And now it's like, no, you can just show up. You can register yeah. when you're there. That's like, that's the best thing. That was a big win for us in 2019. No, that is huge. That is a lot, but that is huge. Um, Thank you. I would like to thank you for your work. That is very, very important. Um, Mason, so New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative has been doing electoral work spreading resources to Black communities in New Mexico. I'd love to learn more about why the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative was started and why at this moment? Sure. So the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative is actually part of a larger nonprofit. We're a 501c3, so we do have to engage uh, in a nonpartisan way. The larger Mm -hmm. uh, nonprofit that is part of is called the New Mexico Black Leadership Council. It's actually the largest Black-led nonprofit in the state of New Mexico. The Black Voters Collaborative, which is the area that I lead, uh, started back in 2020 um, during kind of the height of the political, um, you know, back and forth that was happening around the 2020 election. So our executive director, Catherine McGill, thought it would be important that we start engaging with African-American voters um, here in New Mexico for a couple of reasons. One being that African-Americans in the state of New Mexico are typically excluded especially from conversations around policy, 
um, elections, legislature. And that's uh, mainly due to something called the tricultural myth. Um, And that is that the state of New Mexico is three ethnic uh, groups, Native American, Hispanic, and uh, Anglo-American or Caucasian. So with that narrative, you are excluding lots of other groups, including African-Americans and Asian-Americans. And so what we work to do is to combat that tricultural myth and put our issues at the forefront. So through the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative, we have a three-phase approach of engaging and interacting with voters here in New Mexico, and that's to educate them, Mm -hmm. um, reach out to them through outreach um, events and opportunities for them to learn about candidates, learn about the election, and then mobilizing them to actually go out and vote. Um, And so we've done that through social media, of course, is the best way to communicate with folks. We've done a number of in-person events and virtual events with uh, candidates. Um, Our most recent event was for the mayoral election for the city of Albuquerque, where we had all three of the candidates running for the city of Albuquerque um, position of mayor, where we were able to actually put some of these uh, African-American and personal color issues right there at the forefront. Um, for them to to comment on. So that's something that we continue to strive for and we continue to do. And so with this upcoming election, what we've recently done is created a sign-on letter that features a ton of the of the civic engagement advocacy organizations, including Olay, um, that are really working to encourage people to get out the vote in this very important uh, general election, where we have our seat for governor, where we have our... Um, our uh, congressional election as well. We also have our secretary of state up for election um, in November. So it's really important that we all work together because we all have very common goals to get people to get out and vote. Yeah, no, I think that is very, very important to um, to even acknowledge that it isn't just three ethnicities, races. I think it's very important to acknowledge the all the people here in New Mexico and to give them resources and to reach out to definitely like acknowledge them, acknowledge everyone here. I think that is very important. So Mason and Layla, um, I'd like to ask about, um, about how disinformation has impacted mm-hmm. voter turnout in these re- recent elections and what are your organizations doing to combat it? That's a great question, Millie. I'll start if Layla doesn't mind. So disinformation, misinformation, however you want to call it, has a huge impact on turnout for elections. Part of the reason our organization started is because in 2016, um, when Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were running against each other, African-American turnout for elections actually dropped by about 40%. Um, So only about 60% of registered African-American voters actually showed up to vote in that election. And now we know in hindsight that that was one of the biggest misinformation campaigns in, in election history. Now, fast forward a little bit to 2020 and 2022, where we have the misinformation that um, the election has been stolen from us, that you know these, these voting machines are rigged, um, that they're changing ballots you know, when they're counting them at the electorate. Now, that kind of narrative really creates a couple of things. First of all, it creates um, a sense of my vote doesn't count, that one side or the other 
is going to do what's in their best interest. And it's going to keep me from having my voice heard. The other thing that happens, um, and you know, to, to frame that, we know what the result of that is. We have an incident like January 6th. We have a lot of people that feel like they were wrong because their candidate get, didn't get elected through this process that is uh, the most secure. The 2020 election was actually the most secure election in, in history. However, the misinformation had caused people, not just the misinformation, I have to say, um, but the entire engine that was um, the, the Donald Trump campaign and the movement behind him. Um, and now the movement that is continuing to other candidates as well drives a lot of very passionate individuals to act in such a way. Um, the other thing that happens is apathy, which I actually think can be just as dangerous. So you have people saying, well, you know, my vote doesn't count, so I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to take the time out of my week because the election happens in the middle of the week. A lot of people have to take off from school, take off from work. Uh, find childcare, um, and then you know make the time to actually go out and do this. And so, th th that misinformation campaign can be really dangerous to people who may be well intentioned and, and want to vote, but now they feel unease about it. Um, so, what we're doing right now is trying to re to to put that ease back into people's minds and let them know that what is being spread online and also on television. Um, you know, on, on some of these, on these so-called news stations, you're gonna hear a lot, you still hear a lot of information about the election being stolen. And unfortunately, there are over 300 people running for office right now who are election deniers. Um, we have somebody running in the state of New Mexico. Um, that also denies the results of the 2020 election. Um, and because of that, the apathy that people are feeling around this election is, is a lot higher, and that can make it a really dangerous landscape for work to be done. We know that people on the more extreme ends of the political spectrum are going to get out to vote, but it's the people that are right there in the middle who are unsure about you know, who, how they are going to participate um, what they believe in, um, and if they are going to participate. And that's when those are the people that we really need to get out to vote, because those are the ones that are going to be able to cast a ballot that is um, going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so I think with the misinformation that's being spread and the feelings that are coming from that, uh, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, Layla? Yeah, that's huge. And I think Mason touched on like every single <laughs> point of combating this information. Um, Olay has been been working on a lot of these as well. And in 2020, you know, like for the primary, it was right when COVID hit and, and we were all um, in lockdown. And so it was like, it was this big pivot. And of course there were these like emergency protocols for the, the election and mm -hmm. there were like emergency like ballot drop boxes and things like that that people were worried about and um and also like um the president at the time was doing weird things with the post office and like so people yeah. were also worried about that and so I mean what was interesting is like the the New Mexico post office 
wasn't actually affected mm -hmm. um, at the time. And our and like some people were worried and thought the, the mail was slow, but it was actually still working pretty efficiently. Um, and uh, and New Mexico actually has like a really sophisticated voting system. So like we're, you know, we talk about New Mexico being like behind on a lot of things and 50th yeah. on a lot of lists, but like when it comes to like our voting machines, like they're really sophisticated when it comes to like our um, voter access and voting rights, we're like, we're very close to the top of the list. So, um, so in that regard, we should be really proud of our state and, um, and our secretary of state is really progressive on that issue. So, um, so I remember when I mailed my ballot, I actually put it in my mailbox for my mailman to pick it up. And I went to nmvote.org and checked and it was picked up like my, uh, it showed that my um, county clerk had it the next day. So it was like literally there the next day. So that's, I mean, I live like in a city and stuff. So like some of that is like urban rural, whatever, but <laughs> But it was like, you know, this is not like a system that we need to be mistrusting. Mm -hmm. um, but that's like, that's such a hard thing. It's like combating misinformation that is creating distrust in, in the system, yeah. right? Um, and that's, and that goes for not just distrust in the voting system, like not just distrust mm -hmm. in elections, but distrust in government in general. And like, that's why a lot of folks don't vote. Is there like, well, who cares or like what you know will it make a difference um you know what does the government do anyway or like why you know they don't care about me anyway and so yeah like a lot of the the work that that we have to do is um is is really hard work of restoring trust yeah um, and like that you know trust is like not a thing like it's a thing that's easy to break and hard to build you know yeah and so like um i mean in terms of tactics like what what do we do like so in 2020 at that for that primary we had a town hall with the secretary of state we talked about like our voting machines our online system um the mail-in process uh like why mail-in ballots are safe and and secure um we, you know, we do texting campaigns, we do social media campaigns that, like on every platform. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do mailings, we do, we have a canvas, uh, so we knock on doors. Yeah. And we really try to reach folks in every um, way that we possibly can. Um, but yeah, it's like a, it's, <laughs> it's like a rough, uh, it's a tough, like, world out there um, yeah <laughs> to, to try to reach everyone and um sometimes i wonder like how uh like how do we reach the folks who have you know who just aren't voting like or who've already probably heard the message a hundred times and like still aren't voting um like who are those folks and like what is it that that um that is stopping them and I know like a lot of it is still voter access issues. Like there are folks who, you know, like just their jobs, um, you know, not giving them time off or um, even just like folks not knowing 
um, where to vote, how to register, like how, you know, um, just the information. Um, but, but yeah, so like getting as much information as you can out there. Um, and, and then, yeah, my, like, my uh, hope is that, is that we can reach the folks who haven't heard and then also like somehow, you know, get to, um, get to the point of, of starting to rebuild that trust again. Yeah, no, it is, it is hard to combat disinformation because it spreads fast and people get scared and they lose the trust. And, but that's very important that your guys' organizations and collaboratives are trying their best to combat it and educate the people. I think that's a, if you don't mind me, Amelia, I think that's a great point that you just made. Um, there is a fear element that isn't talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. The fear that through an election that your rights can be infringed upon or taken away. And then on, on these big misinformation platforms or engines, it's those talking points that can instill fear. Um, and that's what turns people out to elections and also keeps people away from them. So I think yeah. that's something that we have to be mindful of also. No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. What about voter intimidation? Um, does it still hold any relevance? Like how has it impacted the um, voter turnout? Yeah. So with voter intimidation, I think it definitely still holds power, especially for people of color. So when you do decide to go to a polling place and for pe- someone that looks like me, who's African-American, there's that kind of assumption that, oh, this is going to be someone who votes Democrat. They're going to vote for the progressive candidate, or they believe a certain set of things that somebody may have said in the media, or um, they're against me and what I believe in and what I feel like is right. So voter intimidation can come in a lot of ways um, from other people, um, from candidates, also from, you know, people that have sworn to protect us, like law enforcement. Um, you know, I hate to bring it up, but whenever I see like the Blue Lives Matter or the Thin Blue Line on a police officer, that's a form of intimidation against, you know, people of color, especially people of color who have had adverse experience with police officers. Because we know that that Thin Blue Line rhetoric is very right-leaning um, and conservative in nature. And so, in everyday situations, that intimidation exists. So when you go to the polls, which takes a lot of courage to do, especially for uh, a person of color, um, and if you live in a, a town like New, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, that can be you know, really diverse across the spectrum, but I live on the West Side where there's a, a lot more of the, of the white population lives compared to like, you know, in, the, in the city, in the metropolitan area or near the South Valley. It can be intimidating, um, you know, for someone like me to be standing in line and see a police officer patrolling the line. You know, they say that they're there to protect you um, from anything that could happen. But most of the time, people of color, they don't want to have to interact with the police and they definitely don't want to um, feel uncomfortable in a situation where mm-hmm. they're just trying to get out and vote. That's yeah. a historic um, injustice that has existed on our people forever. Um, since we were allowed to start voting. Um, and, and people feel that today. And there are people today that have lived 
through that experience and go out to vote and are still living through it just in, in the modern age. So voter intimidation can be a really scary thing when you think about all the different ways that can it can affect a person. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, I think that um, voter intimidation, it plays a huge part. I mean, especially when you're going out to vote and especially for our BIPOC communities, just intimidation from police, just from really everything around. It is definitely a scary process. And it's important that that we learn that we learn how to combat this, what to do and how to react. So I think it's very important. You are listening to Generation Justice, broadcasting on 89.9 KUNM-FM. Tonight, we listen to an interview on voting rights and the importance of getting out there to cast your vote. We hear from Leila Salim, community member of Ola, New Mexico, and Mason Graham, policy analyst and project lead of the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative. Now, back to our moderator, Leader for Change fellow, Emilio Bovale. So what are some of the key issues that voters have the opportunity to make decisions about in this election? Um, Leila, I'm going to start with you. Um, yeah, so I, I already mentioned um, the constitutional amendment. Um, there are three of them on the ballot this year, um, but the first one that I mentioned uh, is, is a huge one. Um, and that's to um, defend early childhood education and um, and public education, and that's to take one and a quarter percent uh, from the school fund, the permanent school fund, mm-hmm. and uh, and this would really give us the opportunity to have really like universal childcare, really for young kids. And um, I I think of this as like an economic justice issue because we have families all around the state who um, who work who need to work and um need need a place to um to have their kids go and those kids really need the kind of development of um being around other kids of like learning and um that's when your brain is is doing the most growing in those those first four or five years and um, so it's like a huge investment in kids. Like it's a huge investment in the children of New Mexico, which is like what what a better investment. Um and like when you think of where you put your money, like where do you where do you invest? Like yeah. that's I can't think of a better investment. So um that one is huge and and it and it adds more to public schools as well. Mm-hmm. And then um yeah, there's a couple more constitutional amendments. Um, there are a lot of bond questions. So things like, you know, do you want to fund uh, your libraries? Do you want to fund yeah. parks and schools and um, and other public services and, and infrastructure? And then, of course, there are candidates. And, you know, as a representative government, that is um, the big way that that we decide um, how our government works is by choosing someone else to make decisions for us. Yeah. And um, so that that was pretty hard because mm-hmm. you got to do a lot of research to find out what kind of person each of these people are. Yeah. Um, 
but there's a lot of help out there. There's like the week of women voters guide, the newspapers usually put out um, questionnaires um, for like the bigger races, like the top of the ballot races. There's usually like debates on TV and stuff um, mm-hmm. and online. So those are other places to find out more about these candidates. But um, this is a big deal. You know, to to like choose the people who are making the decisions that affect the laws um, that govern our lives. So yeah. that like this is um, this is important stuff. Yeah, no, it's definitely important to know. Um, I guess what issues what issues are on there and do the research. Uh, Mason, what about you? So yeah, Layla makes some great points on things that you can vote on. Um, adversely, I want to talk about things that we might not be voting on directly, but indirectly. The elephant in the room really is women's health rights and abortion. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much in the details on why that's important, but um, that is something that you would be voting for indirectly when you go out and cast your ballot for um, the governor and for your uh, congressperson. So that's something that folks have to keep in mind while we're always advocating for people to educate themselves on who the candidates are and what it is that they stand for. Because some of these things you you don't get to vote for. Um, educate yourselves on, on who these people are that you're voting for. When you get that ballot, there's going to be a lot of names that you recognize. There's going to be some names that you don't recognize. Um, how is your state representative, uh, your district representative going to um, vote in the roundhouse? Is that something that you need to know? We would say absolutely. What about your state senator? What what is their um, position on these types of issues if it was to come before the legislators as well? Um, And what is their opponent's position as well? So that's something that we have to continue to remind people of when they go out to vote because it can be easy to look at the the ballot and say, okay, I'm going to vote all Democrat, I'm going to vote all Republican, I'm going to vote all Independent. I'm not. I'm going to skip over this part because I don't know who this person is or what they believe. But like I said at the beginning, you know, when you aren't voting and when you aren't uh, educating yourselves on these issues, you're allowing somebody else to make that decision for you. Whatever it is that you might believe, but you really have to do the work and uh, educate yourself because um, this type of election happens once every four years, but we have elections every year. Um, And the elections for... Um, your school board, um, for your county clerk. Um, This election is for the Secretary of State. The woman running against our current Secretary of State is one of those people who deny the uh, results of the 2020 election. It's very scary when you think about who these people are, why they're running, and what they could potentially do if elected. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's that's huge. I think... um... I don't know exactly like what the executive powers are of the governor, um, like when it comes to like executive orders. Um, but but yeah, I mean he certainly wouldn't have the ability to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot um just just by himself. And yeah, our whole legislature to would have to approve that has to go through basically like four committees and two floors and, and all and all of that, uh, which is a lot. But but yeah, this is why like it's important to go through all those local races and and know your your representative, your senator, yeah, each each one of those. But but yeah, these 
things are huge. And thanks for bringing up New Mexico, like affecting these, all these other states too, because we are totally a haven right now in this like crazy world. I wanted to bring up too, like the, um, I mentioned the, the League of Women Voters Guide and the newspaper and things like that. But I also wanted to say like, it's not, um, it is a huge burden to try to learn about every single candidate in every single race. Yeah. But like, even as someone who's like super civically engaged, like I am, I still really rely on, um, on others and especially the organizations that I trust um, and who they endorse. So like I find myself aligned with some organizations and like Ole is one of them, obviously as a member. So like, I mean, I align myself so much with Olay that I pay dues <laughs> to Olay, right? So when Olay decides to endorse a candidate, I'm like, okay, I trust them. Like, I do want to hear why, you know, why they endorse that candidate. But, uh, but I, I trust that, that they think, um, if they think they're the, the candidate to vote for, um, I'm going to trust that they're, they're probably the candidate to vote for. So when I have like 30 candidates on a ballot and I can't spend like 10 hours researching each one, like I'm going to find, look for voter guides from, uh, from organizations that, that do endorsements. Um, so yeah, you know, look around for, um, for organizations that, that you align with. So like if, uh, abortion and, you know, like, uh, it is a, an issue for you, like go to Planned Parenthood, see which candidates they're endorsing. Go, okay, maybe that's who I should be voting for. Like, it, you know, find those, uh, what your issues are, like what issues are important to you and find those words and then look for who they endorse, like who, uh, you know, or some words also do like um, report cards, you know, for, for legislators. And that's another way to find out like, who's good, who's not so good. Um, and that's just like another way to do research. Yeah, thank you. No, that's important to have, well, to know how to research, I guess. Um, so what are important dates that New Mexicans should keep in mind? Early voting at the county is already happening. Like at your county clerks, you can already be early voting, but early voting at all of the early voting sites uh, starts on the 22nd of October. Election day is November 8th <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, what else? Uh, just looking at the county clerk's website now. So the deadline for an absentee ballot application is going to be November 3rd. Um, and then November 4th is the last day county clerks can mail an absentee ballot to voters who have requested them. So you need to request that absentee ballot by November 3rd. The beautiful thing about an absentee ballot is that you can send in the mail, like Layla said, that she did. You can also drop it off at an election site. So if you do have an absentee ballot and you go to an early voting location or on election day, you can just walk up to the poll worker, give them your absentee ballot, and you're done. Um, so that's also a great way to make sure you kind of expedite your voting um, if you don't want to be waiting in line on election day. Um, but definitely getting out to vote early is going to be the best way to engage always. Always we want to vote early um, because those lines on election day can get very long. 
Um, and it's only between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. So uh, you have 20-something opportunities before Election Day. Uh, when Election Day comes, that's your one and only opportunity to get out and vote. Yeah. And also, like, early voting hours are uh, are a little different. So, um, so like, they're um, Monday through Saturday. And also, like, a lot of them are 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. It depends on the county. It depends on where you are. So definitely go to your county uh, website. Um, the easiest way is to go to nmvote.org, and that's the Secretary of State website. And you can just put in your info, and it, and we'll give you your county info. But um, but like that if you like if you work a job with you know hours that are like make it hard for you to to go at certain times, like definitely early voting will help because it has more expanded hours than like the usual, like 77. So, um, and then they've got like the Saturday as well. So that's like early voting is really the best. <laughs> but then, but, yeah, the cool thing about the absentee, like Mason was saying, is like you can get your absentee and you can mail it or you can like take it to an early voting center or take it to the election day center. So there's like a lot of flexibility with the, um, the absentee ballot. And thankfully, we're a state where you don't have to have, like, an excuse for your absentee. Like, literally, so many other states, you have to have, like, a reason to have an absentee ballot. Like, we're so, we got to remember, guys, like, New Mexico, we're kind of lucky here. Like, we actually do have some pretty good, like, voter access. No, that's important to keep in mind these dates. Um Because a lot of times, it can be very confusing, and people don't know when to do things by, and it becomes a mess. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, but like same day voter registration, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really just started very recently. So um, it used to be that you had to be registered, like, uh, like the registration deadline was 28 days before, um, before election. And it still is technically for like paper registration or, a, or a, the online registration. But we now also have same day registration during early voting and also on election day. So you can go anytime during early voting if you go to the county clerks now um, during you know the Monday through Saturday or depending on the county clerks um, or starting October 22nd when expanded early voting starts at all the early voting spots, um, you can go and register to vote and vote in the same visit. And that counts for if you're just changing your address too. You can totally do that. Um, you can, you know, if you had like a different, if you lived in a different county or you just you just moved uh, down the block, you can go and say, oh, I changed my address. Or, you know, if you changed your name or anything like that, you can go fix, you know, whatever needed changing and then vote in the same visit. It's awesome. Well, you did touch on our other question. Um, so where can people go to register to vote and what is that process? So two birds, one stone. Mason, would you like to add to that? So I would definitely encourage folks to utilize the same day voter registration if you missed the deadline from this last Tuesday on election day or at the early voting centers um, through your county clerk. You need to double check. I would encourage you to go to your county clerk's website. It's going to be maybe slightly different for each county in New Mexico. Um, So definitely go online, look that up, or give a call to your county clerk 
Um, they're usually easy to get a hold of. Just ask them um, which voting places are doing same-day voter registration. So I would like to ask, so for first-time voters, what would your message be to them? I would encourage first-time voters to stick with it. The first election that I voted in, I was a registered independent because I didn't really know who to align myself with. My dad is a Republican from Indiana, and my mom is a Democrat from Chicago. Um, So growing up, there's a lot of conversations on political action, but the Republican Party looked a lot different than it does now. So I was was an independent. But if you're a first-time voter, it's important to know that you can change your party um, anytime on the Secretary of State's website or when you register to vote in person or by mail. And to make sure you go out and vote as much as you can. I believe here in New Mexico, businesses or your place of work is required to give you four hours of paid time off on election day to go out and vote. So I'm not going to say there's no excuse uh, to go out and vote, but you can definitely leverage that in your favor to get a little bit of time off. Um, If you live in Albuquerque in a not so congested time, especially on... um, you know, that Tuesday could take you about 30, 45 minutes to get through the line. If you go early, if you go later in the day, it could take you a little bit longer. You might need that whole four hours. But if you're a new voter, definitely stick with it for every election that you can. Read about the candidates. Know where you stand on issues. Um, see who you align with. See what organizations you align with, like Layla mentioned, so you can supplement your um, informational holes and just get out and vote um, in every election, every time. Be vocal about it. Tell your friends. Make a plan to vote. Tell your family. Uh, take somebody with you. Uh, make it a, a, a family affair. Uh, I just had a daughter um, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, every, thank you. And every election, uh, she will be with me, strapped to my chest so she can walk, uh, standing in line, because I want her to grow up knowing that this is something that our family does every year. Um, And that's something that I'm really, really looking forward to instilling in her until she turns 18, um, maybe sooner, depending on which laws we get passed here in New Mexico, where (laughs) she can go out and vote uh, for herself. So if you're a new voter, congratulations, and just make sure you stick with it. No, that's very special. I think that's very important because, well, yeah, just important to make it a tradition, to make it like an honor to vote, you know, to make it something good, happy. Um, mm-hmm. Layla, what about you? What is your message? Yeah, I think I would, um, I guess I would start by like saying welcome. <laughs> like welcome to the fold of voters, uh, first time voter. Um, and then, yeah, all, I mean, totally all the things that, that Mason said. and um, and. And then I and then I'd say like after this, like there's so much more. There's so much more after this. Like mm-hmm. after voting, like all those people that you voted for, hopefully, hopefully they win. Right. Like let's hope that those people you voted for win. And then and then once they win, like let's hope you have you can have a relationship with them, right? Because these aren't just like fake baseless uh politicians. Like let's hope that they're people that you can actually be in contact with and actually share about what's important to you. 
so that they can hear and actually represent you. And so sharing with them um, how they should vote, really. Like they should be representing their communities and you are their community. And so, um, so I think the, the responsibility, the, the duty, the duty doesn't end with voting. Um, that's really the beginning. And so, um, so yeah, welcome. And, like, <laughs> and, and the, the journey continues. <laughs> I think that's very special. I think that's very special message from both of you guys. And it's important. I think it's very important to, to kind of, you know, welcome new voters, not make it a scary thing, make it something that they should be happy about, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and congratulations. Congratulations on, yeah, being a parent. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So Layla, where can people find more information on Olea and M and Mason? Where can they find information on New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative? We are at oleanm.org and we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all places. I think we're on TikTok now too. Same here. You can find us on Facebook under uh, at NMDVC on Instagram. We are NM underscore Black Boat. And our website is nmdvc.org. Um, so feel free to go there find some information uh, about the elections and get involved whenever you can. Is there anything else that you guys would like to add? I would just add uh, one thing just to build off what Layla said about continuing the work after the election. It's definitely something that doesn't start and stop uh, when you go out on that Tuesday in November. You have to continue to hold your elected officials accountable. Even if the person you didn't vote for ended up uh, winning, we ran a campaign a couple of years ago, and it was called uh, Be the Boss at the Ballot Booth, because we believe that these people work for us. So you're their boss. Your state representative, your state senator, your congressperson, it, they work for you and for your interest. So figure out what the number to their office is. If you have the opportunity to learn about how they voted on certain issues, do so. Call them. Say, I'm a constituent. And I have a question on why you did or you did not vote on this particular thing. Um, you may not have the opportunity to talk to them, but there are lots of opportunities where they are public facing. Here in New Mexico, CD1, our representative uh, for Congress, um, this Melanie Stansberry, who's up for re-election, is very active in the community. Um, so she's really easy to get a hold of. She's really easy to talk to. Um, she's a friend of mine. And... I would encourage anybody who lives in CD1 or these um, any district, really congressional district, really to figure out who um, or when their representative is going to be out in the public and, and go introduce yourself um, and say, hey, you know, I'm your constituent. I want you to know that, you know, I like the work that you're doing or I don't like the work that you're doing. Um, and that's something that you can continue to do, you know, as long as, as you're their constituent. Um, you move to a new place, do the same thing. Um, say, you know, I'm a new constituent in this area. And I want you to know that, you know, I'm, go I'm going to be watching you because you're, you're the one in charge and they should have your best interests in mind. Um, and so when we go out to vote in November or during a midterm or during a primary, um, that's the time that we are hiring them. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, so even if the person that you didn't want to win, um, who ends up becoming your elected official, hold them to the same 
uh, standard that you would for the person that you did want to win. Mm-hmm. No, that's important. You, Layla, anything else? Yeah, I think I, I just want to thank you guys. I, I love um, I love what, what Generation Justice does. And um, like I mentioned earlier, I um, one of the campaigns that I've worked on is, is trying to lower the voting age to 16. Um, that's like uh, something that's important to me. I think 16 year olds are ready. I think I like, I think I want to hear from 16 year olds. Um, I think it's the best time um, to to really like start the habit of voting. Um, it's, most 16 year olds are more rooted uh, at home and in their school and community. And so uh, that I think is like a better time to start um, to register and to start voting. And so, um, yeah, I just like, I, I think like the youth vote is so important and um, it's what, what's so like sad is, is that um, the turnout, when you look at voter turnout, like it's, it's almost like, a straight line uh, that the older a person is, the more turnout, the, the more likely they are to turn out. And a lot of that has to do with access, like young people are working more hours and stuff. Um, some of it is like the apathy question, like, um, you know, or, or just like folks don't know how much, uh, you know, the politics and government like affects their lives. And, and so like, I think if we start younger, like it would actually help the turnout. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on and spreading your guys' message. I think it's super important. Um, so thank you, Leila Salim and Mason Graham for coming on today and just really speaking on very, very important things regarding voter turnout and resources and how to access voting, how to register, how to know what to do, and especially to like appeal to maybe a more, a crowd that's not really affiliated with um, a certain party, you know, and also make voting like not a scary thing, something that should be excited about, something that should be good. And I would like to thank you both, the work that you do, the work that your groups are doing for Generation Justice. I'm Emilio Bovale. Thank you so much, Layla and Mason, for speaking on mail-in voting and absentee ballots and for highlighting the myths and disinformation around voting rights and access. Voting gives us the opportunity to voice what decisions and policies we want implemented in our communities. I appreciate the work that both of you do to advocate for New Mexican people to ensure that we are represented. This next song was chosen by one of our guests. Here is Make America Great Again by Pussy Riot, selected by Leila Salim. Did your mama come from Mexico? Papa come from Palestine? Sneaking all through Syria, crossing all the borderlines? Let down the people in, listen to your women. Stop killing black children.
this is an important reminder that you might qualify for the bivalent booster, better known as the Omicron booster shot. That's right, the bivalent booster specifically targets Omicron variants. Keep in mind that without this booster, we aren't protected from the Omicron mutation, which can surpass the antibodies blocking the virus and therefore invade human cells. The new bivalent booster shot is now available for those 18 and older as a booster shot that can be received after the primary mRNA doses. Remember, this Omicron bivalent dose is a booster shot, so make sure you get your primary dose to be eligible for the Omicron booster. If you need to get up to date with your vaccination, visit vaccinenm.org and schedule your appointment now. Masks are still shown to reduce the risk of contracting and transmitting COVID-19. Visit cdc.gov for more information on adequate masks and remember, mask up New Mexico. That's it for our vaccine equity segment. Make sure that you're maintaining social distancing protocols and continuing to wear masks to help keep you and others safe. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank Ole NM and Leila Saline, as well as the New Mexico Black Voters Collaborative and Mason Graham for sharing integral information about voting, voting access, equity, and important dates. We'd also like to thank GJ Leader for Change Fellow, Emilio Bovale for moderating today's panel. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Roberta Real and Barbara Ramirez. Production assistance from Madumita Santanam and myself, Sunandita Santanam. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media, so find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlists on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, the Con Alma Health Foundation, the NM Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau, and the Better Together Program, as well as the DOH Office of School and Adolescent Health, the City of Albuquerque, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. And our last song of the night is Get Together by the Youngbloods. I'm Sunandita Santanam, and coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, New Mexico. Those are birdies on the wing, and you